0: Hi, welcome to Bookie, which unlocks big ideas from world bestsellers in audio, text, and mind map. Please download Bookie at Apple Store or Google Play with more features. Get your free mind snack now. Today we will unlock the book Conversationally Speaking. In 2018, a young entrepreneur named Michael Hood asked Buffett what skills young people should focus on. Buffett answered, invest in yourself. The one easy way to become worth 50% more than you are now, at least, is to hone your communication skills, both written and verbal. If you can't communicate, it's like winking at a girl in the dark, nothing happens. You can have all the brain power in the world, but you have to be able to transmit it. Many people may think that some are born with the gift for being an excellent conversationalist, while others are not. In fact, There is no such thing as a gift for being good at holding a conversation. People who are good at communication just know some simple skills that everyone can learn. In this book, Conversationally Speaking, Alan Garner uses everyday language and rich teaching examples to help us learn conversation skills and gain the upper hand in social situations. The author of this book Alan Garner is a renowned American expert in communication who has 20 years of teaching experience in his field. He is dedicated to helping people overcome conversational problems and quickly learn conversational skills and abilities. He has held the Conversationally Speaking workshops across the United States, which have attracted tens of thousands of attendees. This book has been translated into multiple languages and has enjoyed worldwide popularity. Next, we'll divide the key ideas of conversationally speaking into three parts. From this book, you can learn how to prepare and master basic skills, and in the end, you can significantly improve your conversational skills by applying the theories you've learned to solve practical problems. Part 1. Preparing for a Conversation Part 2. Mastering the Basic Skills of Effective Conversation Part 3, Dealing with Challenges in Interpersonal Communication Now, let's start with Part 1, Preparing for a Conversation. Sociable people like to actively bring others into their lives. They often do two things. Take the initiative by talking to people they want to know and invite out those who they wish to know better. In contrast, most people are used to waiting passively. We wait for others to notice us and initiate conversations. However, other people are also waiting like us. In this way, everyone feels disappointed. Therefore, when one complains that their social life is too dull, they should reflect on how little they have tried to take the initiative. So how do we take the initiative to talk to others? Actually, the conversation will be easy if we learn some skills. First, when looking for someone to start a conversation with, you can choose someone who is alone and idle. After a smile and some eye contact, you can start a conversation. You don't have to say something profound or wise. You just need to say something informal based on the environment you're in, current affairs, or some mutual characteristics between you and your counterpart. You can also ask questions and express your opinion on an issue. For example, Let's say you and the other person are in the same classroom, or you join the same association. You can look for topics that both of you may be interested in or have questions about. For instance, you can ask, what do you think of this teacher? After raising a question, you should listen carefully to the other person's reply. You can also tell the other person directly what aspect of them you are interested in. For example, you look good on this dress. Do you mind telling me where you bought it? Typically, few people talk about themselves first, because it's hard to get others' interest. Still, there are some exceptions. In the book, Alan Garner shares a humorous way that a man named Art Lang often uses to start a conversation. Hi. I'm Art. How do you like me so far? After this initial conversation, if you want to get to know each other better, you can try to invite them to join an event or have dinner. So, how does one increase the success rate of an invitation? The most important thing is to have a dual perspective. You should consider the preferences of both sides so that the other person is more likely to accept your invitation. You can ask the other person what activities they like, then you can choose one of the activities they mention and issue an invitation, such as going to the movies, watching a play, or playing a sport. You can be direct when issuing invitations, such as telling the other person what the activity is, and the specific time and place. Also, your attitude should not be too rigid. It's better to be casual and invite someone in a relaxed and pleasant atmosphere. The initial invitation can start with small things. For someone you've just met, it may be easier to ask the other person to have a cup of coffee than to ask them out for a fancy meal. If your invitation is refused, it may be because the other person doesn't like the activity you suggested, or there is a time conflict. In this case, you can reschedule or modify the event after the reason behind the refusal is made clear. If the other person declines and offers no explanation, try a different time or activity. If they decline again and does not explain why, it means that they are not interested in you. At this time, there's no need to ask why just politely express your regret. Some people may say, I'm afraid to take the initiative, I'd be nervous. Before we solve this problem, let's think about the reason why we feel nervous. Some people seem to be nervous at the thought of starting a conversation. Is it because the conversation itself makes us nervous? Of course not. Alan Garner points out in the book that it's our beliefs in the conversation that make us nervous. Researchers have divided the false beliefs that make people nervous into four types, coping out, catastrophizing, overgeneralization, and demanding. These kinds of beliefs are all irrational and wrong. The first type of belief is coping out, which means that we blame our anxiety on external things instead of our beliefs within these things. You can ask yourself, is there any evidence suggesting that these things make me nervous? you will find the answer is no. According to the ancient Greek philosopher Epictetus, men are disturbed not by things, but by the views they take of them. The second type of false belief is catastrophizing. Admittedly, the idea that things may not go as expected is not wrong. However, if you have the belief that once things get out of control, they will be quite scary, terrible, and frightening, then this is catastrophizing. Alan Garner gives an example of himself in the book. He once invited a professor and the professor's wife to dinner. A few days before the party, Garner began to imagine all sorts of bad things that might happen. When the party started, he was even more disturbed by the fear of behaving inappropriately. However, the fear in his mind made his performance worse. Then, what should we do if we face a similar situation? We can ask ourselves, How likely is it that the terrible things I've imagined are going to happen? If it's not very likely, you should assure yourself of this fact. You can laugh at your fears and tell yourself, it's unlikely to happen. You're just scaring yourself. If the likelihood of a negative event is a higher, then you can continue to ask yourself, if you fail, what's the worst result that could happen? After careful consideration, you'll find that the worst result is not as terrible as you think. Apart from this self-questioning approach, research in psychology has found that using less emotional words to describe the sinking of the Titanic and the 9-11 attacks can effectively relieve anxiety when thinking about them. For example, we can replace the words horror and horrible with bad luck. The third kind of false belief is overgeneralization, which means we draw an inference from a past experience to assume what will happen in the future. The book calls this the behavior of pinning labels. For example, you may label yourself shy, because you were shy in the past. Or you may think you can't make friends, because you were rejected by others before. We often label ourselves based on poor social performance in the past. But if we accept these labels, we may give up on improving our social skills. Therefore, when you find yourself pinning a negative label on yourself or others, try to find contradicting evidence that is positive. In the process, you may discover many different facts. For example, if you think one of your colleagues is mean, you can try to find evidence that he is generous. Once you find the evidence, you can ask yourself if the label you had pinned before is entirely correct. The fourth type of false belief is overdemanding. A Jewish proverb says, the best is the enemy of the good. This saying implies that insisting on perfection lessens the chance of getting a favorable result. In the context of socializing, this means that some of the strict requirements you have for yourself may be weakening your social skills. Overdemanding not only limits your conduct but also makes others feel that you are difficult to get close to and get well along with. Therefore, Holding an over-demanding attitude may build a wall between you and others. If you have excessive demands on yourself or others, ask yourself, who set these standards? Why are you doing this? If past practices are not beneficial, why should you continue? When you realize there is no evidence that you or anyone else must do things a certain way, you can abandon these irrational thoughts and make both parties feel relaxed. That's all for part one on how to prepare for a conversation. First, we need to be more active by taking initiative to start a conversation. Then, we should actively invite those who we want to get to know more, so we can start building relationships and meet more interesting people. Furthermore, we should replace false beliefs with a rational way of thinking by asking ourselves the right questions. All these will help us reduce unnecessary social anxiety and allow us to bravely take the first step to become a skillful conversationalist. Today we are just sharing limited content. To unlock more key insights of world-class bestseller please download our app. Just search for B-O-O-K-E-Y at Apple Store or Google Play. Get your free mind snack now.